Especially if it's the new one where they're even bigger, like divots. Yeah. Type bastards. <laughs> <coughs> Although apparently they're going back to the other <laughs> side now. Because <laughs> of the backlash. That's a kind of topical debate you can expect we from got, the theatrical cut. We got Brexit, we got our Toblerones <laughs> back. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Too Much Time on Our Hands, the theatrical cut. I'm Sonia, so opposite me with his face for radio is Terry. Hey Sonia. Hello dear, you alright? Got a bit of a cough, but soldiering on, you know. What do you mean you've got a bit of a cough? You've always got a bit of a fucking cough. Yeah, but I've got a proper cough now, haven't I? Alright. Um, good, so Terry's going to be sucking all night, so <laughs> yeah, hopefully got, prevent himself from coughing. That's a very old fashioned looking... They're fishermen's friends. No, they're not. I went for these. Terry sucking just... on a fisherman's friend. You shut oh. it. We haven't introduced you <laughs> yet. The gremlin in the corner speaking out of turn. So, also with us tonight is Dan from the Mother Pod. Hello. Oh no. Oh, hey wearing, Dan. Wearing more layers than is healthily advisable at this point. The, in the time. bears are currently winning. The the layers will be coming off when when. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Is that for us to look forward to? <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're watching the Instagram live feed, then... Uh, <laughs> a virtual gaze. Yeah, I don't blame oh. you, yeah. Um, so, are the layers coming off when they when they score one of their football goals? Is that what when, happens? When, when the game's over, and I can guarantee that I have not had an effect on the game. When everyone's off the gridderon. The gridderon, yeah. Then, uh, then uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll start disrobing. Amazing, I literally cannot wait. Um, <clears throat> so this week, Terry and I are going to be talking, and Dan, obviously Dan's here, um, we're going to be talking about films um, about fictional musicians, but before we head into that, we're going to start off with our usual weekly roundup. Um, Terry, you've seen a bunch of films, and I've seen three. And one <coughs> of those, we weren't together, but we've seen the same film. Yeah, because I've been focusing on... Um, Films about fictional bands, but also I've been quite busy doing other bits and pieces. Um, shall I begin? Why not? Um, so one thing I have been watching this week, which we've mentioned before, we can't put on Letterboxd. Um, I'm still watching uh, The Haunting of Hill House. Still not started. Um, oh, still not finished. So we're kind, we're kind of equal there. Um, but that's because I'm watching it with Lucy and we're barely in together. Um, we're, I've only got two episodes left to go. It's good. Yeah. It's creepy. some decent scares in it. Yeah, I'm liking it a lot. Is it ghosty scary or yeah. is it... Lovely. Yeah, nice. I will crack on to that. Um, yeah, it's really, really worth a watch. Really decent. Have you seen it, Dan? Nope, not started. All right, moving on. Um, so, okay, then let's start with Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. The first film that we've seen. Dan, have you seen Bohemian Rhapsody? No. All right, then. You just stay and watch your NFL. <laughs> Terry and I are going to um, talk about Bo Rap. Yeah, as it's referred to in the film. It is referred to that in the film. Um, although someone said to me, um, I'm pretty sure they never fucking called it that at the time, but... Um, we don't know because we weren't there. No, we weren't. Um, what did you think? Really, really, really liked it. Should we tell people what it's about in case anyone doesn't know? So, it's about a fictional band. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a real band called Queen and Freddie Mercury. So, obviously, is it Rami Malik? Is that the name of the guy playing Freddie? Yes. Yeah. He's obviously getting a lot of good praise from this, right? So, but... No one else seems to be getting... I think the guy playing Brian May and the guy playing John Deacon are also very, very good. 
I happen to watch <coughs> a couple of documentaries about Freddie, I guess because they've got them on because Bohemian Rhapsody's coming out. So I'd seen a lot of interview footage with John Deacon and with Brian May. None with Roger Taylor, I assume no one wants to hear him speak. Um, but they're both really spot on as well. Yeah, I think they all are. They're amazing. And also the guy playing John Deacon is Tim from Jurassic Park. Uh, wouldn't I the little boy from the first Jurassic Park. Oh. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Obviously, you know you're going to like the music going in because it's Queen. I, I was a little bit disappointed. I thought there was going to be more of them actually making music. The trailer seemed to show that, like, because Bohemian Rhapsody, they sort of cover that in about 10 seconds. And I thought there'd be a lot more of the actual recording and making and sort of having fun. But other than that, no, I really enjoyed it. I thought thought it was, I thought it was the, yeah, I loved it. Um, I I went to see it on opening night. I've been waiting ages for it to come out. Um, I stayed, I can't remember the last time I did this, I stayed until all the credits had finished so I could stay listening to the music because obviously you can't listen to music that loud at home. No, this is um, true. Until the very last um, song had played, the very last credit rolled up and they put the lights on and then I was ready to go. I say I was ready to go. If they'd have said, right, we're going to rewind it and start it again, I would have sat and watched it again. I absolutely loved it. Easily one of my films of the year. It was so, so enjoyable and I reckon that the... Kind of like the story didn't really matter because, like, the, I just love the songs so much. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So no, I've I sat there, I've sat in the cinema for two hours listening to Queen songs. As far as I'm concerned, it can't really go wrong. Um, you know, they've they've fuzzed over a few of the facts, haven't they? Because it's and manipulated a lot. Of, like, yeah, because it's it it's was got to make an entertaining of, film, hasn't it? But it was the fact they decided to end it on Live Aid that also not annoyed me, but it's like. I feel like the film could have gone past that. <coughs> they sort of tried to give it, I think, like a triumphant ending, didn't they? Which was live. Well, yeah, but I think because um, that's that performance is um, often referred to as like the greatest concert yeah. of all time, but not not Live Aid as a whole. No, their, their specific performance. So I think that was the right place to like end it on, sort of like end Freddie on a high, as it were, because yeah. then it had the thing at the end, you know, with the real life, yeah, the, light. the real life pictures, and that. This is where they are now. The Paul Rogers and. Uh, and, and the Robbie uh, Williams years, yeah, no, no, didn't. Um, the best years, I call them. Yeah. Um, I, I really, really, really loved it. Yeah, no, so I really liked it. It was just say I, I feel like they could have gone on for a bit to actually show like, even like the aftermath of his death a bit more because obviously Queen went on for a long time after that, and also the way that with choosing Live Aid as their endpoint, they threw so much in as like resolution before Live Aid, like him <coughs> telling the band, him finding his partner, which didn't happen at that point, mm. which because I'd watched these documentaries, I knew that going in. But no, as a film to watch, can't fault it. Yeah. So Rami Malek, absolutely amazing as Freddie Mercury, although he didn't do the singing, which I was a bit disappointed to find out. Mm. His He mimed to a backing track, which was him mixed with a Freddie Mercury impersonator. Because... The original plan was to have uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, who was going to do the singing, apparently, as well. Yeah, but he left because he wanted to make it really gritty and all about Freddie, and they were like, no, it's got to be about the band. Mm. But you would thought if he's going to mime, he might as well mime to Freddie. Because the, the Bohemian Rhapsody soundtrack is all Freddie. It's not anything else. It's just Queen mm. tracks, which mm. I thought was kind of strange as well. If you're going like, to do a new soundtrack for a film, you might as well do that as the soundtrack for the film. But no, I, I thought it was amazing. I loved all the little bits in the studio and like making the videos and stuff. Yeah, I thought it was really fun. And the bit, the scene with Mike Myers, 
is absolute comedy yeah. perfection. Yes. Um, yeah, when you see Apparently it's on some of the trailers. i never seen a trailer of that specific line, so we won't spoil it for people that haven't seen it. Um, yes, yeah. I agree. That, that yeah. is the line, yeah. Um, so, yeah I didn't some, realize that was Mike Myers that I was looking at. I up. know. Very, very well made up. Um, I, I went to watch it with my mum, um, who didn't get the reference. And there was lots of other people in the, in the screen that I don't think got the reference either. Um, mm. But I, I thought it was fantastic. And it was obviously just made up and written for. Yeah, 100%. Um, specifically for him to say. Um, but I watched a little uh, clip of an interview with Mike Myers um, where he was... Um, he, he basically said he got this phone call saying... Um, we're making a film about Queen called Bohemian Rhapsody. We'd like you to play blah, blah, blah. And he kind of went, right, okay. And they were just like, would you like to read the script? And he's like, no, I'm in. Just yeah. sign me up. Um, <clears throat> because obviously, you know, Queen played such a big part for him in his life and mm. what have you. And he's growing up. forget he's English, isn't he, Mike Myers? He was born and raised in Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think he lived there for years and years, no. did he? Um, anyway, so that was that. We like that. We give that... A thumbs up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, which you can't see. Um, <laughs> and then um, in the build-up to Halloween, there were lots of uh, films being shown at cinemas, like one-offs of stuff. So I still haven't seen the new Halloween movie. Um, and the day that I was going to go and see it, they were also showing uh, Night of the Living Dead at, yeah, gutted, I at Cineworld. Uh, because it was 50 years old and it had a restoration. It has, it has had a restoration. Um, and I just, because that was just on for one night, for one showing, I decided to go and see that instead because Halloween's still on. So um, I went to see that and I'd never seen that before. Um, I really enjoyed it because I love seeing these old films at the cinema, mm. but I have to say the restoration is absolutely bang on. Um, the restoration has been done by the British Museum, I think. Yeah. Do you want I something doing right, bringing the British? Huh? Do you want something doing right, bringing bring the British? Um... And it looks absolutely incredible. Yeah. So much so that I actually gasped at the first scene. When it came on the screen, I went, oh, because it just looks so amazing. So I know you're a fan. Yeah. Um, I've only seen like really rickety, mm. blurry. Like, I think. I have got it on Blu-ray, but it's literally they've put it on a Blu-ray. They didn't yeah, do anything. Yeah, yeah, um, But it's available um, yeah, on will, Blu-ray restored. Yeah, it, the restored version is available. Um, and I think you're going to be blown away by it. It yeah. looks incredible. And actually, on um, just before Halloween... When did when was Halloween? Uh, Wednesday. Mm. Yeah, last week. Is it? What's that? Yeah, whenever. Um, but the weekend before, we went to like a Halloween club night and they were playing scenes of Night of the Living Dead on the screens for most of the night, which was kind of nice because I'd just seen it and I was like, mm. oh, I know what that is now. Um, but yeah, really, really, really cool. If you like those films and you get, to, if you know, and you and you get a chance to see the restored version, definitely, definitely. See Slight the tangent, version. but how do they clean out? Do they literally just like go in and clean film cells, or do they like digitally alter? Or? It's got to be digitally, hasn't it? It's like yeah. filling in the gaps almost. I would have thought the one that's meant to be absolutely mind blowing is this new Peter Jackson <coughs> documentary, yeah. where he's just taken the World War One footage, colorized it, but in a decent way. And then he's hired lip readers to see what the people were saying in the footage because it's all silent film, and then put the speech over the top of it. 
And apparently it's just mind-blowing. You haven't told us how they cleaned the film up that time. No yeah. idea. That's not, that's not where you asked, was it? They, I think... I wasn't tell me about another time where they've done it. I'd imagine they, they go in and painstakingly, scene by scene, just mm. look at anywhere where it could be a bit craggy. Because mm. it's recorded on film. Yeah. So, so that's what I, I mean. Is it just like dirt on <laughs> film that they're cleaning off? Must or? be. And, and but then but I'd imagine yeah but it's got to be sharpness as well hasn't yeah. it because they maybe they clean the film then run it through a computer and then yeah that's what I mean yeah. oh yeah 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 it's got to be done like that um, but I imagine it's frame they, by frame yeah they can't yeah. alter the film the yeah. physical film yeah, yeah. Um, they can clean that as in physically clean yeah. it um, but they can't sharpen the actual film yeah um, that would have to be done digitally yeah um, but it's, it's not like the BBC where they had a massive fire and lost all the Doctor Who footage. Like, all this film is, is available somewhere. Yeah. So I'd imagine what they do is they just grab the film, run it through a computer, uh, cell by cell, and mm. just um, just clean it up. It must take hours, though. I, I oh, do, God. I, I thought it would take more I, than more hours. More than hours, yeah. I'd do, I'd, I'd do like half an hour and go... <laughs> Does anyone really want to fucking see this cleaned up? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but no, really, really well worth a look. Yeah, no, I can't wait to see um, it tidied up. And talking about um, restored versions of things, um, I bought the Arrow version of Candyman that's just come out recently. Um, Did you just salivate looking at it for a long time? Oh, fucking hell, it's amazing. (laughs) Um, So this was a birthday present um, from my mate Rich. Um, It was released just after my birthday, so um, I was waiting to get it, and then they released it, so it was due out on the Monday, then they said... It can be sold from the Friday because it Ooh. can be sold for Halloween. Yeah, because it, oh, it's Halloween, so you can uh, sell Candyman straight away, or Candyman can be bought straight away. Um, so obviously, I got that. Um, as you know, Candyman is one of my absolute hashtag faves. Um, yeah, and it looks amazing. But what's so um, what's so awesome about it is all the special features that come with it. I mean, yeah, I that's sat, what Arrow do, isn't it? I sat for so long after the film had finished and watched so many special features and I hadn't even, like, scratched the surface. Um, Yeah, and they're just, like, really decent interviews, really interesting interviews, um, like, older ones, more current ones. Um, If you, you know, if you like that film, then it's definitely a a very, very valid purchase. I would have thought, like, with a lot of them that they do, they release the special edition with, like, the book and all the snazzy extras, and then they just release the, the disc yeah, on its like own, don't standard, they? standard, yeah. Um, so if you don't want all the... Because it, it comes with, like, poster and stuff like that. Um, if you don't want any, any of that, it will be available just as a Blu-ray. But, yeah, it looks really, really, really nice. Very, very happy with it. Happy birthday, me. Um... And was it you that tagged me in the random fact as well that Sandra Bullock was nearly the lead in Candyman as well? It probably was me that tagged you yeah. in it, yeah, because you love Sandra and I love Candyman, so yeah. it would make sense. Um, but an interesting fact, which I did read about it, um, um, God, Tony Todd. Virginia Madsen, yeah. um, who plays Helen, apparently she was hypnotised for the scenes that Candyman's talking to her, you know, when she goes all kind of, like, glazed. Yeah. Um, apparently, she claims she was hypnotised for those scenes, and I'd heard that before, but I actually watched the interview with her saying that, and a few of the other people, um, like, crew members mm. were saying, oh, yeah, she, she was hypnotised during that, and she was not happy at all. How odd. I know. But when you watch the film, she does actually... Gen- it's almost like like that... She goes from being completely like clear, 
mm. to being like glazed over. So was she hypnotized so that when Tony Todd did or said something, she went into that catatonic yeah, state? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they had uh, trigger words to make her sort of like go in and out of it. Allegedly. Wow. But if that's true and you actually watch the film, it does actually look like that's happening. Yeah. So yeah, next time you watch it. Well, I'm, I'm hoping I'll get to borrow your oh, fancy you? Blu-ray. Although well, I, I wouldn't. With it yet. I'd say I wouldn't be surprised if you don't give me the box because I know it's in actually a nice box, isn't it? Not opposed to like a little case. Mm. So if you just oh yeah yeah you'll you'll just get the CD case. No, yeah. you'll get the case out of the snazzy box. Yeah. Yeah, you won't be getting the slipcase. I've still got my slipcase upstairs for the film Mother, which some fuckers got. I've got it now. Yeah, that's not really worth anything. I was going to kex that about yeah. a year ago, Dan. Sorry. It's Dan's fault. I think of it this way: you stopped someone else watching that film. <clears throat> I'm furious. Um, anyway, that's me done. Oh, that's you done. So moving on to me. So I've seen a few more. So first up, I went and saw First Man. Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Uh, so the one thing I'd say about First Man, it is a fantastic film. It is brilliant from start to finish. Don't go and see a nine o'clock showing of it because it doesn't finish till quarter to 12. What? Yes. Because obviously what? it starts, you've got about half hour of the bloody adverts. How long is it? It's two and a about two and a half. Oh, fuck that. But um, towards the end, I was doing the old head drop. Oh, yeah. Trying to keep myself awake. I didn't actually fall asleep. Did you to do my any dad collection. breathing? Not that I'm aware of. Steve did not tell me that he felt like he was going to have to nudge me awake. Um, but uh, it's an absolutely fantastic film. It's It looks amazing. So it opens with Ryan Gosling's Neil Armstrong doing where he's like trying to fly across like the edge of space and Earth. So like where it meets, he's like going across the horizon almost but all of the shots are either very close looking at the shuttle from the outside or they're from in the shuttle so all of your POV has got all the gadgets and like the windows and stuff so it just really puts you in the spaceship which I thought was really cool they're after you Dan it feels like it doesn't it that's definitely a hovering helicopter now isn't it it's, yeah. we've moved it's been, it's been hovering around here like, for a while yeah um so obviously it's the story of Neil Armstrong and the mission to the moon. Although obviously it starts with him just joining NASA. A personal tragedy that he had that sort of spurred him on a little bit. Um, the one th- gripe I had with it, and it's a very minor gripe, time moves on quite quickly so it will just skip, but it doesn't tell you time is skipped. You tell because, oh God, his kid's now grown up. And oh, okay. And I'd rather it just came up with like six months, et cetera, et cetera, mm. whereas you've just sort of got a, oh God, he's grown up, they've moved on. The leaves are all off the trees now, so time's gone by. But absolutely, Ryan Gosling is really, really good in it. So me and Steve actually had a conversation. He was like, oh, Ryan Gosling, shit. Like, there was no emotion. I went, yeah, but that was what he was... That was him. Because mm. like, in the scenes, like, before he goes to the moon, because obviously it's like, are you going to come back? And his wife's like, you have to talk to your sons and tell them what's going on, that you might not be back, because I don't want to have to, like, give them that news fresh if you actually don't... And he's literally just like, I mean, it's in the trailers where his son's like, are you going to come back? And he's like, we have every anticipation that we will be back. We are planning a return mission. And it's very cold, very dead. But that's just the way he was. Mm. Um, But yeah, I think he's really, really good. I imagine this will be Oscar nominated across the board. Mm. I mean, Damien Chazelle, I mean, three films he's made, Whiplash, La La Land and First Man. Across three very different sort of genres. I thought he did pop videos. I think he'd done a few bits and pieces, but these were like his first... Are getting confused with someone else, Dan? 
no idea. Oh, he has done sorry. other bits, but Whiplash, La La Land, and First Man are like his first three feature <coughs> films. And yet, so I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, I would probably give it to Rami Malik over Ryan Gosling. Just, and it, I feel like he'd probably get it over Ryan Gosling just because he's a bit more outlandish. But oh, generally, it they're tends playing real people as well, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. The Oscar, Brad, Oscars Brad, love it. Bradders hasn't hasn't got a hope, then, has he? Bradders. Bradley. Oh yeah, no, no, I don't think he'll so. win the director. I don't. I think he might. I've get, seen it, but I, I, I think he might this. get screenplay. Yeah. Oh, let's not go into Oscar well. chat yet. It's not the right time. Um, so yeah, so that's really good. Highly recommend it. Yet, yeah, just don't go for a late screening. Uh, next up, I watched a film called The Cured. So as people who listen to this will know, I love a zombie film. So this is a zombie film. It's a very low budget <laughs> one set in Northern Ireland. But this one's a bit different. So this is set after the outbreak. It's all been contained and they've actually worked on a way to cure the infected with the proviso that they can remember everything that happened while they were infected. I think you told me about this. So they can remember killing people, ripping mm. their throats out. People don't want them back in society because they see them as monsters because, I mean, we follow like three people mainly. One... Um, he killed his mum and the dad's obviously like you killed my wife I don't you're dead to me another one we we find out through the story what happened to him so I won't go into that but he goes back and he's moving in with his brother who died during the outbreak and his nephew and he's like moving in with them they're given like really shit jobs no matter what they did before so they become cleaners they're treated like really shit mm. um, and there's some some are cured and some just still can't seem to be cured and they're constantly trying. So there's some people that want to destroy all the ones that can't be cured. But then you've got the people that have been cured saying, no, they're people. And it's this whole sort of human rights type thing. But it's just a very different way of like looking at it and say, like the, the main guy is almost having like PTSD dreams about what he did while he was a zombie. And like... Is it on Netflix? It might be. I've got it on DVD. Why do I feel like I've... It, it came I've heard out, about this. Or... It came out this year, <coughs> but it, it seems just, like it maybe was. Maybe I've a, just read the blurb. Say very low budget. I feel like it's got a white slipcase. Oh, um, don't know. But yeah, it's, I think it's one of those. It's almost like missed the cinema because it was like quite a low budget. But yeah, really, There's really so good. There's so much that's like straight to DVD yeah. now, especially horror. Especially yeah, and then it's on Netflix before you know it. But yeah, really, really good. I really enjoyed that. Cool. Uh, and then after that, I gave The Greatest Showman another whirl in the old Blu-ray player. I know you're a big fan, Dan. I've never watched it. Okay, well, we the don't... soundtrack shit, though. Oh, fuck off, Dan. Um, right. Nothing from you about the soundtrack. and No need to talk about the film. Yeah. On to the next one. Magical. Uh, then I watched a film called Mandy, uh, which stars Nicolas Cage. Just be quick before you say anything, Dan, have you watched it yet? No, no, I haven't. No, neither have I. I f- this is when I, f- I fell asleep when I was poorly. <laughs> did you start oh, thanks for fucking laughing Dan I was really ill did you start you remember that night where I had to cancel all my plans I couldn't come out because I was too ill mm. you heartless prick yep you'd have fitted in though well obviously we'll get on to that yeah. um, did you fall asleep watching it or before you even got to putting it on I was literally about 10 or 15 minutes in I reckon and it's not, I didn't fall asleep because the film was boring I fell asleep because <clears> I felt like shit yeah so I'd heard nothing but good things about Mandy Everyone was banging on about Nicolas Cage return to form. Like this film really suits what he's about. Like his crazy persona. I was just bored. It's two hours long, yeah. which I wasn't expecting. It <coughs> it's one of your girls allowed films for me. Okay. It looks 
spectacular. It looks the like bits it, that I saw were beautiful. It looks like a dream. You've got like purple. It's all red and purple, yeah, it's isn't reds, it? Reds, purples. There's some bits where it's green and it's blue, but it's mm. like the whole. It's like the whole screen. Got like a whole filter, yeah. So it looks amazing. When it starts getting into the story, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And the whole thing about oh, Nicolas Cage going mental with chainsaws. That's like the last twenty minutes of the film. Yeah, so one of the guys at work has seen it and said, like, the first half was really slow and boring, and then the second half, it, like, completely changed. I still found the action a a tad... I actually probably preferred the first half because it was all character building. Yeah. Because the characters in it are really, I think, really interesting. Um, It's set, like, in the 80s, and it's Mm. set in a sort of fantasy world. And it's never really this sort of said like this is the real world this is a fantasy world it's a mixture it's just is this, this just real life is this just fantasy yeah exactly um scaramouche um but no i wouldn't put anyone off watching it because well you put me off watching i'm gonna throw mine in the fucking because the one now. thing i'd also say is despite the fact i watched it on blu-ray at home i didn't touch my phone because i was like no i'm gonna i put my phone away so i couldn't even reach it so like, i'm gonna give this my full I attention couldn't even reach it what did you just put it at the end of the sofa you're so yeah. lazy <laughs> I couldn't roll to it, yeah. so it was out of reach. With my little arms, that's not very far. <laughs> so generally just put it... Um, but yeah, so I gave it my full attention. So it looks stunning, and you could see that he was obviously going for this weird dreamlike state, but for me, it just it just didn't work. Missed the mark, eh? For me, it did. Possibly, had I stumbled upon it, yeah. I might have thought more of it, but because mm. everyone was banging... I'd seen like five-star reviews, and for me, it's not even a three-star, okay. because it's, it's purely look over substance. I mean, I've seen mixed reviews. I've seen some people that absolutely love it, and some I've not seen anything. But then I've, like, I've yeah. heard some mixed reviews, but I've I've heard more positive than negative. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and then I went and saw Halloween again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't go too much into the film because we spoke about. It. Mm-hmm. I would say I got a lot more out of it the second time, like little hints and nods to the <coughs> other films, and then just to show how much I love horror films with Michael Myers. So I have a Fitbit, which registers when I sleep. According to my Fitbit, I was asleep for an hour and a half during that film because my pulse was obviously so relaxed and I didn't move at all. So it's just odd little stuff. I definitely wasn't asleep because there was someone talking behind me and I wanted them dead. Um, <laughs> Is this the first time? No, the second time. I've, we've oh already talked God. about the first time where we had the guy yeah, yeah, giving yeah, the yeah. running commentary. Yeah. No, this one, they turned up 10 minutes late and laughed about that and then just sat there like chatting to each other and laughing. I think it was like a nervous, like they had to talk laugh because it was scary. But it's just like, if, if, hate if that's the kind of person you are, don't go to the fucking cinema to watch a scary film. So Terry and I had this mm-hmm. text conversation, Dan. Um, and I really, I mean, I feel this way about most things in life. Mm. Um, but with the cinema... I really feel like people should have to take a personality test before they're even allowed to buy a cinema ticket to to work out if they're the kind of prick that's going to use their phone, eat or loudly, Or you have two screenings talk. of everything. Yeah, mm. it's just like, fucking idiots go in that screen and spoil it for yourselves, and those people that give a shit can go in this screen. Because obviously it's not because they're cunts, but... They do have like mother and baby screenings where they don't yeah. put the lights down and it's sort of expected that there'll be more noise. So they do that, it for that. That 100% like would not bother me at all. Mm. And I think I've said to you before, I don't mind going to kids' films because kids making mm. noise during films, they're just like enjoying it. But adults going to watch films that are being disruptive are doing it on purpose mm. and they're being antisocial pricks. And um, I'd, I'd set fire to a lot of them. I really would. Yeah. I'd line them up against the wall and shoot them. <laughs> They really are the scum of the earth. Um, yeah. It shouldn't be allowed. They shouldn't be allowed Sub-human out. Subhuman scum. They really are. Yeah. They, I wouldn't the, be surprised um, if they're all tagged as well. The Kermode and Mayo 
uh, code of conduct. Yeah. And that's what that's that's what that stems from. It, it's gone a bit far now. Only eating soft rolls and tomorrow <coughs> and stuff. But um, did you see as well? There was one US chain that announced that they were going to allow phones to like they weren't going to yeah. crack down on people getting their phones out because of millennials this is how they watch films now and they had such a backlash of people cancelling tickets they had to like rescind it because like most people are, are decent people who just want to go and watch a film and not dick about um yeah because i was talking to one, uh, one of the guys at work actually and we were both talking about going to the cinema and people getting their phones out during films um and i said i would i mean obviously we we all have passes we pay like a monthly yeah. amount to go and see the films but i said whether you buy your tickets individually or you pay for a pass i said i would rather pay a little bit extra to allow them to have ushers in the screens again to yeah. stop oh, people yeah. using their f- well i mean back in the day when i went to the cinema and they had ushers you didn't have mobile phones no. anyway um but i would gladly pay a little bit more for my monthly cinema membership for them to have an usher in every screen to tell people to shut up and to turn their fucking oh, phones 100%. off I mean, it's, it's just even it's it's like a security guard in a shop it, it's a Deterrent. Deterrent more than anything. Yeah. If, mm. if you know you've got someone that works there in the screening, mm. just watching. Especially if they've got a gun. Yeah. Especially mm. if they've got a gun. Maybe don't give them a gun. Maybe. Trump would. Trump would, yeah. Because <laughs> the only thing they care about is if someone's filming it, isn't it? Because mm. they have the cameras that can tell yeah. if there's like something filming towards it. That's the only thing they care about. Yeah. Um, anyway, we've gone off on a bit of a tangent there. What were you actually talking about? Halloween. Uh, yeah, that was Halloween okay. and the thing. But yeah, loved it even more the second time. Really, really like that film. Uh, and then the last film I saw was a different cinema experience. So the Vintage Cinema, which travels around and does various bits in different places. Did you not go and see The Fog? No. So I was going to go and see The Fog. We were meant to go together, but I got an email from the Vintage Cinema Company and we had to be there by quarter past eight oh, to collect tickets and stuff. Oh, okay. And I wouldn't have been able to see The Fog, oh, unfortunately, because okay. I was really, really looking forward to seeing The Fog because I love The Fog. That's what I was... Mm. That's what I was more disappointed about missing. So what Terry's just about to tell you about, we were supposed to do together, but unfortunately I was too poorly to attend that night. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so originally it was meant to be the, the restoration of The Fog followed by this film. So people that know me, again, Zombies, Dawn of the Dead, the original George Romero film, one of my absolute favourites, set predominantly in a shopping mall. Oh, you were there, Dan, yeah. sorry. I've just realised that Dan <laughs> was there. I've completely forgotten. Um, so That's amazing. The Vintage Cinema Company... <laughs> decided to rent the Marlowe Centre in Hemel Hempstead. Um, obviously looking quite post-apocalyptic itself, half empty. I mean, we nearly saw a fight or we saw four kids going, come on then, My oh, come on then, you come on then. And then the he knocked the line. bottle out of his hand. The best line was, I'll fucking hit you with this bottle. It wasn't <laughs> like a glass bottle. Yeah. It was a plastic water bottle. Yeah, that was magic. Um, so yeah, so... For people who don't know the Marlowe Centre, in the middle there's a sort of open section, which is where I assumed the screen would be. Disappointingly, it was quite a small screen. I thought they'd yeah. like have something hanging from the ceiling, but it was just like a pop-up one. And at the moment, the Marlowe Centre have like a dinosaur thing in the middle. They hadn't even moved that. All the chairs were sat around this dinosaur thing. But that's jumping ahead. So we had to queue outside the Marlowe Centre, really annoyingly, because they said, print your tickets. He came along and went, tickets? I went to get them out. Oh, no, no, I just need your name, mate. Took my name, handed us off. off because our there was quite tickets. the to do about the tickets, wasn't there? Because yeah, I, you were going to do them. it, and Dan had to do it. Well, I was. I had the tickets, but of course I couldn't attend. So then it was a great big. Yeah, so they've been printed do. twice for no reason. Yeah, uh, and then they were only letting people into the Milo Centre like five or six at a time, and it was quite cold. Everyone was thinking, "What the fuck's going on?" And then there was the shout of "Fucking hell, there's a zombie!" 
and everyone turned <laughs> and there was just a, a bloke obviously dressed as a zombie not a real zombie stumbling round and basically they were letting you in in groups because there was about six zombies yeah. hidden on the walk to the middle and they hadn't got any lights on so you were walking along most of them were just sort of rah, and then one got me he came jumping out of this corner I was like rah! and oh Proper little farts came out then. <laughs> that was the the quote was because you didn't you didn't like shout or scream or anything. You just went, oh, that one got me, <laughs> cracked me yeah. up. And then little Rich, our friend, and his girlfriend were in the group behind us. And honestly, there was like a blood curdling <laughs> scream from that group. Um, but no, um, I also won some free tickets to another showing as well because they had like this little game where you had to shoot this zombie with some shit Nerf guns. <laughs> I got eight out of 14, and that was the best score. Um, so then the film started, and I was really excited until the first death scene came up. <laughs> so for some reason, they had elected to show what I'm imagining is the original theatrical cut from the 70s, where every single death blow had been cut from the film, to the point of there's one quite famous death where he's got a zombie on top of him. He gets a screwdriver and puts it in his head. You see him pick up the screwdriver, and then it cuts to him pushing the corpse off his body. The screwdriver's in his head. Yeah, so the you, screwdriver's you still in his head. see the screwdriver in his yeah. head. Yeah. People getting shot, you see the gun get lifted, yeah. and then you see blood spray on the f- on the floor. And then it <coughs> falls to the ground. And it was like the point of... Obviously, everyone watching it is a lover of the Dawn of the mm. Dead film. And they knew it was shit, and there was like proper laughter at some point. It's like, what the fuck? It's like... Because you'd have thought they'd have put it on there, because I didn't imagine we... Because there is about 15 different variations mm. on Dawn of the Dead. I didn't think we'd get like the current Blu-ray version, because that is you've got them killing kids which mm. zombie kids but still you're not going to get that but having that the most blunt version of the film was a little bit annoying I don't really understand it though because about two thirds of the way through the film you still be, see people being disemboweled you still see that people that was still being cut though yeah but you still see people yeah, you like, see them putting guts out exactly, and eating yeah. them yeah um, but yeah so I only gave it four out of five because it was that version mm. but it was quite cool having the zombies knocking about um, and it was lovely beanbag chairs. Mine and Dan seemed to work fine, but then Dan, who was with us, From, we were we were both sat yeah. like upright. As soon as he touched his, he just went <laughs> and basically fell into a, like a seat, a flat back position. Yeah, Dan from the Adventure Authority podcast. Yeah, and, and we got an XL bacon double cheeseburger from Burger King beforehand. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. All well that ends well. But they do they do all kinds of things. They're, yeah, I the think... next one they're doing in Hemel is Elf. Mm. In, the, in the shopping. Yeah, century, and then yeah, they yeah. they're doing Dread somewhere. Yeah. Um, I think they're doing dread in a cave. Yeah, or no, I think they do dread in a church. I think they were saying, but they 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 do some because Dan sent me a link. They do some films in like a cave, yeah. which sounds awesome. Like if you do the right, imagine the descent in a cave. Oh, like give the shit. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, vintage cinema. If you go and look on, say it's very good. I wonder who did because I went to see um, a couple of Halloweens ago. I went to see. Um, was that when I was meant to go and then Daisy was born mm, that I was at the Coliseum wasn't it I went to see Beetlejuice and Silence of the Lambs like a similar sort of setup yeah. with the way the film and everything was set up mm. might have been them maybe I don't know uh, yeah and then other than films <coughs> for the pod that's everything I've watched what, uh, what did you win tickets for uh, so whatever I wanted oh right uh, it, it was because really, they were like oh don't forget to give Liam your details on the way I went out to Liam and went just email me Okay, I could be anyone, but I'm probably going to go for Elf because that's the next one in Hemel because the other ones are quite far away. But yeah, cool. Did Just some good films though. Yeah, I think it was. It looks like it was Batman in a cave. That's quite cool actually. Yeah, that'd be cool. 
But you got free popcorn as well. Always nice. Oh, yeah. sounds like I missed a treat. It was it was a lovely old time. It really was. Yeah. Okay. Got my bin. <laughs> uh, sweet. Right. Should we get on to the main body of the show then? Let's move on to our fictional artists. Right. So Terry and I haven't put these in an order. We're going to be. This is more of a conversation. <laughs> um, I'd like to think of uh, Terry and I. have got a great long list of films that we've watched. <clears throat> um, maybe we've enjoyed them. Maybe we haven't. We'll find out in a sec. Um, of films about fictional musicians. Um, We'll just uh, go ahead. Dan's going to pipe up if he has seen them or if he has anything mm. to add. Um, that's it, Terry. Pop that in there. <laughs> I like how quietly Terry was trying to unwrap that sweet and pop it in his mouth. But they did all right. For Terry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For Terry, yeah. That was very good. Subtle. Mm. Oh, shall I do the first film then as you've uh, just popped a sweet I, in I can talk got... and suck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> I'll oh. leave that there. I don't like it when Terry says certain words. All <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> right, I'll start. First Fire film away. I've got on my list is one that I've talked about before many weeks ago on the pod. I think just because I just picked up a film and I watched it. I'm going to start with Deathgasm. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. borrowed this off you. Um, so Deathgasm uh, is a film about three outcasts um, who start a heavy metal band. Um, it's it's kind of based on the Evil Dead film. These three boys, um, they accidentally summon a demon by playing a piece of ancient sheet music. Um, basically, they've gone to this abandoned house or this house or whatever, and there's a musician in there that they all love, and he's laying there clutching a record, and they they prize the record from him, or he gives the record to them, and when they get it home, they find this sheet music in it. Um, and they decide to play it and they summon a demon. Um, the demon then possesses uh, the people in the town. They then go around killing each other and other residents. Um, and the guys in the band, um, or the, the main guy in the band, realises that, um, or decides that possibly one way to uh, get rid of the demon is to actually play the piece of music backwards. Mm-hmm. So by playing the piece of music, they summoned it. If they play it backwards, they'll unsummon the demon so that's what they go about to do but then in between that you've got like the lovely little montages of the band getting together the band playing their music they shoot a a video um in the forest which is a take on dan um maybe like a shit like Burzum video or something like that have you seen deathgasm no i haven't no um really really enjoyable film like proper like horror comedy but um it's, it's really got the guys like playing in it as well. Yeah, they, yeah. you know, these three sort of like boys. I think it's by the guy who either wrote it or directed it, or it might be the guy maybe wrote and directed it. I don't know, but I think it's partly based on him growing up, <clears throat> being an outcast and being into like heavy metal music. Um, and summoning a demon. He, I don't think he summoned a demon. No, he might have done. I don't know. I sometimes think I summon a demon with some of the music I listen to. But, um, <clears throat> Game must but have there, finished. there are. There are plenty of um, scenes of them like actually playing their music mm. um, and the fact that they summoned the demon with their music. I very much felt that this film deserved a place on our uh, on our list or certainly as part of our discussion. I lent it to you. Did you watch it? I have watched it. I It was <coughs> in my thoughts, but because I'd only seen it once and couldn't really remember it, that's why yeah. I didn't put it on any of my lists. 
Um, I really, really recommend this film. I think I said at the time when I watched it, if you like horror and you like heavy metal, this film has to be a part of your collection. It's uber gory as well, isn't it's, it? It's fantastically gory, yeah. <laughs> like some people, like some reviews I've read have said that, um, you know, it sort of uh, replaces a decent storyline <laughs> with um, this fantastic gore. But I, I just think it's a lot of fun. It really, really mm. is. And what I really like is that the kids, the three main guys in it, really are outcasts. And one of the boys really likes this girl. And she only becomes interested in him when he becomes this, like, cool heavy metal kid. Um, which I really like. And that she then becomes, like, a cool heavy metal girl as well. And they basically end up being, like, death metal couple at the end. Um, really, really good. Really, really enjoyable. Um, okay, so that's Deathgasm. We're going to go on a slightly different tangent now. And Terry's going to tell us about... Um, one of his hashtag faves, I think. Crazy Heart? One of. <laughs> so, Crazy Heart has a special place in my heart. In your crazy heart? In my, well, probably full of, art, full of a cholesterol heart. Lard um, heart. Yes. So it has two things that I really love about the film, other than the film itself. One, it's the film that finally got Jeff Bridges his Oscar. A man who's long deserved one. And two, it's the film that introduced me to Ryan Bingham. Yeah, and in is, turn introduced... Me to Ryan yeah, Bingham. A famous tweet of yours. Terry, oh, thank you for forcing out. Ryan Bingham into me. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently I blacked out that meeting. Oh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Ryan Bingham is a country artist who helped write the songs. He's actually in the film as well. Did he write the theme tune and sing the theme tune? He rung the, he's sung the main song, yes, because oh, no. he won an Oscar for it. I didn't know that. Yeah, he won the best song Oscar for Weary Kind. I did not know that. Yeah. Well... We've all learnt something tonight, haven't we? There you go, yep. And he also, he won that, this is a really shit fact, the same year that George Clooney was nominated for Up in the Air as for a character called Ryan Bingham. Just a weird little fact for you. That's a good fact, that is. Yeah, it's it's not fact. a shit fact. They're the kind of facts we like. Bit oddball. Uh, so Crazy Heart follows Bad Blake, played by Jeff Bridges. He is a proper on his way out he was a big country star at one point apparently the backstory they created for him was he th he was a part of the highwayman with Johnny Cash and mm -hmm. Waylon Jennings he's fallen on hard times the first thing we see is him driving to his latest gig which is in a bowling alley uh, he's an alcoholic his manager's trying to stop him drinking and he's basically just on a path of destruction he just his first gig he has to disappear halfway through to go and be sick he's covered in sweat to be fair, he maintains the musicianship. He doesn't go sort of down that way. And it's just following him from town to town, playing these shit dead-end bars, until in one, he meets Maggie Gyllenhaal, who wants to be like a journalist, and she knows the guy who owns the club that he's going to play at, and they sort of agree that he'll give a bit of an interview to her. And essentially, a romance blossoms out of this mm. extraordinarily, because he is so out of shape and so whole. But he's obviously he's a charismatic man. He's doing, I mean, pretty much every time we see him, he's getting out of bed with someone but he sort of has a bit of a bond with Maggie Gyllenhaal and he sort of almost brings him back from the brink a little bit because he is just going from town to town maybe um, he just needed the love of a good woman exactly possibly and her son not the love of his son <laughs> the, the, the companionship of her son because we find out as well that he had a son that he never sees and at one point in the film he does like reach out and obviously I won't spoil how that goes but he's got this feud with Tommy Sweet, played by Colin Farrell, who was like, I assume he sort of toured with him and he, he, he helped get him bigger. Now he's the bigger artist and he's a, a little bit resentful <laughs> of that. There's lots of offers through the film where Tommy's like, oh, he wants you to come and like, tour with him. He wants you to come and open for him. And he's like, no, fuck Tommy. I don't want to do that. And it's about 
to a degree, like his redemption and turning things around. And throughout the course of the film, he's writing the song Weary Kind, which, as we've just said, was written by Ryan Bingham and T-Bone Burnett, and it won the Oscar that year. But it's just, it's my kind of music because it's all like proper country music. Mm. It's got a great cast, as I said, Jeff Bridges, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Robert DeVal's in there. Ryan Bingham. Yeah, Ryan Bingham rocks up as Tony right at the beginning. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just right up there for me. Just absolutely love it as a film. Five five stars for me. Mm. Five stars. Yeah, I really like it a lot. I can imagine T-Bone Burnett might get mentioned a, a few times in, in terms yeah. of fictional bands. He tends to be the guy that... that well, apparently to... when Jeff Bridges first <coughs> got the script, there was no music in it. Mm. And he was like, no, I don't want to do it. And they sort of kept talking to him and he basically convinced them to speak to T-Bone Burnett and put mm. songs in it. And then he get... Because Jeff Bridges is like quite a keen musician. He's since released his own album. The Crazy Heart soundtrack is fucking fantastic yeah, yeah, as right. well. Um, it's got some older songs on it as well that are just like on in the background. And then, I mean, Jeff Bridges, so like Falling and Flying is a great song as well. But yeah, just love this film. Mm. Sweet. Um, and then one which I think we've all seen, um, Inside Lewin Davis. So I rewatched this last night oh. and I'd forgotten how phenomenal... I mean, I know That's you're going to love it because it's oh, the Coen brothers. God, I love it, yeah. Um, but again, it's my sort of... My music, the music I like. So this is sort of country slash folk music. Um, you've got... Obviously, it's got Oscar Isaac in it as well. So it's a du- <coughs> double hard on for you, Dan. Cat, Oscar Isaac, Coen brothers. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say this was probably Oscar Isaac's like star maker. He'd done a lot of films, but this was the one where he showed that he could be the leading man. He could take a film and like... Because he's pretty much in every scene, I think. And yeah. it is all about him. And it's just... oh, It's just a really... I mean, it's a horrible film in many regards. For like, he's a proper down on his luck folk singer who just mm. wants—he just wants to be a singer. He wants to be an artist, and basically everyone he meets also just wants to be a singer. And everyone's got like an album that they can't shift. You've got Justin Timberlake in it as he's well. He's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's really OTT happy-go-lucky singer with Carrie Mulligan as his partner. Loads of really great songs. No, go on. Oh, sorry, I thought you were having a, a revelation there. No, I wasn't having a revelation. I remembered I'd tied a knot in my hanky. Okay. Go on. Your hanky must be full of knots at this mm. stage. Um, and yet, like, at one point, he goes across the country to Chicago to try and see this great producer that he wants to try and get signed with. And all throughout, at the very beginning, he's staying at someone's house and mm. their cat escapes. And he's basically got this ginger cat with him for the most part of the film as well, where he's trying to get that back until the cat runs off. And then he's trying to get the cat back as well, but it's just strewn with great performances from different people. Yeah. John Goodman rocks up as a really random... He's like a beatnik jazz artist. Yeah, he's like a yeah. jazz artist who he happens to like lift chair with across to Chicago. Uh, Garrett Hedlund. Yeah, yeah, Garrett Hedlund is the driver. So Carrie Mulligan, Justin Timberlake. Adam Driver. Yeah, Adam Driver. Putting in a comedy performance. Yeah, he's he got... fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, his... Because it's the thing, isn't it, that they were both in this before they were in Star Wars. So you've mm. got two people from Star Wars singing a song saying, don't send me to outer space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, song was apparently um, up for an Oscar, but because it borrowed from so many sort of like old fil- mm. uh, old songs um, or certainly ideas from old songs, it couldn't be considered an original song. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, I mean, criminally, this film was massively underlooked at the Oscars. Yeah. It didn't get virtually <clears throat> any nominations. But for me, Oscar Isaac definitely deserved an actor nod. Direction definitely deserved a nod. L- Direction for general. that fucking cat. Yeah. Tss, the, deserved a nod. 
the, the throughout the whole film you feel cold as well. Yeah. Like you get that real feeling. He's got a real freezing. bleached like, yeah, yeah. colour to it. But when he's out in the snow, you like yeah, you without almost his big coat. feel like yeah, it's 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 such a great film. And yeah, and, and apparently from what I understand it's a, a decent representation of what Greenwich Village was like yeah. at the time as well. Because mm. so. it ends so, with Bob um, Dylan on stage as well. Yeah. Well Bob a representation Dylan of yeah. Bob Dylan. We, we, and everyone just kind of fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing we could do now. Um what I didn't realise when I was watching the film is that um it's a week in the life. Mm. Mm. I didn't realise that just a week had passed. Um, I think he actually says that himself, doesn't he? There's a bit mm. where he says something, oh, how did that go? That's on Saturday. Went, oh, yeah, I've been away. I thought I'd been away longer than like a couple mm. of days. If, if, I'll tell you what's worth a watch. They did a concert with um, loads of uh, folk artists uh, doing the songs from the film. Um, and like Jack White turns up. Oscar Isaac obviously turns mm. up as well. It's really, really good. And the, the, just the sheer amount of talent in, in any one room at a time doing some mm. of these songs, doing other songs as well that they've, they've been involved in. Um, it, they did it with uh, Oh Brother, Where Art There as well. Mm. But it, it, it's fantastic. It's, well, it, it's about three, four hours long, this, yeah. time, this whole concert. But it's really, really good. That's the other thing. Unlike some films that we potentially we'll talk about mm. and obviously we talk about him actually they all do their own singing and instruments and this like Oscar yeah. Isaac learned how to play not only guitar but like folksy guitar because apparently that's a very different like skill to just playing guitar um, uh, the reason I went you reminded me earlier um, I found the scenes with uh, Kerry Mulligan and um, Oscar Isaac quite um, interesting hashtag spoiler alert mm. when she finds out she's pregnant yeah and she just sits there the whole time, the whole time in the film. She talks to him like shit. She treats She's not him a like very shit. Nice person. Um, he's such a terrible person for mm. getting her pregnant, and you know, he she just speaks to him in such a disgusting way. She's married to another man, mm. and she got pregnant by uh, Oscar Isaac's character. Well, but might he's, be pregnant by Oscar but Isaac. But he's the arsehole. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like. Hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, she. But, I hadn't noticed it the first time, but rewatching it last night, I was thinking like, she's a really like not very nice person. She, I really didn't like her character at all. Um, considering how nice Justin Timberlake's character is, yeah, yeah. Um, I really thought it showed up. Um, what a great singer Justin Timberlake is as well mm. with his um, range. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really liked it a lot, but I love folk music anyway. Yeah. So, so um, but what do the cats signify? What do you mean, what do the cats do? Are they um, the stages in his week? Because it's different cats. I think they're his grasp on some kind of semblance of normal normality, like in terms of that they're the thing that he's an arsehole throughout mm. that whole film. He's a dickhead. Because yeah. every time someone yeah. else is good, you can see him like turning up his nose when people are like enjoying other music. And he's like, but he, he is going out of his way to protect the cat throughout the whole film as well. How did you feel when he left the cat in the car? I thought he Not was going to do it. Yeah, yeah. I was really disappointed. I was yeah. really gutted. I was more disappointed when he didn't take the turn off in the car. Yeah. So gutted when he left that cat in the car. Motherfucker. Um, he deserved to have wet, cold feet. Anyway. Yeah. Well, they, were, they were proper wet as well, oh. weren't they? When he sat in that thing with them dripping. Mm. Awful. Um, and then also, this is kind of spoiler, but kind of not. Is it meant to be like an infinite loop? Because it like ends how it starts, but yeah. it is like a week. Yeah, but not in like a sci-fi way. I think yeah. what it's meant to represent is that... <coughs> that he's just stuck in a loop. Yeah, yeah. This, this is what he does. Stuck in a rut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, sweet. Okay, so moving on from that one that I haven't seen, but one that I wanted to see because I'm, 
I'd read it was a stinker, and because of that, I wanted to watch it. Terry's seen it, Country Strong. So I've actually seen this twice. Yay, go So I'd you. seen it ages ago. Do you own it? Yeah, is I, I re-bought it, it. Oh, you, okay. So I'd seen it ages ago, and then when this came up, I had fond memories of it, and it was a 50p job, so I thought, I'll buy it and rewatch it. Oh, I could, did you pick this up at Kex? Yeah. I couldn't find this fucker. I don't, literally, what it's got a fucking busted case though. Oh god, so I'll I'd be, be done livid. Right. But so if I decide to keep it, which it, I'm on the fence, it'll be in the folder. <laughs> um, so this is Gwyneth Paltrow. It's almost kind of a Star Is Born, but flipped. So you've got Gwyneth Paltrow. Is this like it starts with her in rehab? Something happened in Boston. We don't know what. No, is it Boston? Does it matter? No. Moving Something on. happened at a concert, and that she's now in rehab. Uh, Garrett Headland, who was also in Inside Llewellyn Davis, is Bo, a, a lovely country name. Um, and he's like her sponsor, but is there something going on? Uh, Tim McGraw plays her husband, the only person in the film who's actually a singer, and he doesn't sing a note. Um, Typical. And he's checking her out early to put her back on tour. Sorry. And essentially, he's a prick. He just wants money. There seems to be no love left in their relationship. Clearly, whatever happened in this this incident has affected him as well. Um, and essentially they go on tour, they take Bo as her supporting act and what's her name? Char- Charles is her name. Like this young, pretty thing who it's intimated that Tim McGraw would quite like to have relations with. Um, and it's just following them on this tour. She's having like Gwyneth Paltrow's character, like is having proper panic attacks. Doesn't want to go out on stage. She's getting drunk. They're trying to stop her getting drunk. Um, it's interesting. It's got some decent songs in it. Not like brilliant songs, what's, but... What's her singing like? It's her singing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, she's done... Because she's done quite a few episodes of Glee as well. Yeah, she's, I know. But I just she find, can hold a tune. Yeah, I found it all just a bit bland. I imagine they've done a bit of work on it afterwards, but obviously she's got like the proper country twang in like the songs that she's singing. Um, but perfectly decent. It's got quite a nice ending. I say nice story fulfilling ending mm. but re-watching it I was just struck with how sort of paint by numbers Tim McGraw's character was as like the sort of the shitty manager slash husband who clearly doesn't actually care about his wife he's every possible turn where he could do something nice and support her mm. he goes the opposite route and supports the younger woman or is just like no we need to do this because you need to get out on stage even like when she's on stage having a panic attack he's like disappointed in her rather than Oh, it's okay. We'll go. He's like dragging her off stage in a really angry sort of fashion. Mm. But I think it's only about an hour and forty. <coughs> nice, like decent enough. So it's not hasn't blown me away. And like the second time around, I found it a little bit more generic and a bit more say paint by numbers, but decent. Did you prefer it to the film Mandy? Yes. Okay. Um, moving on. Uh, have you have you seen it? Have you got anything to say about no, Country I've Strong? I've not seen Country Strong. Okay. Moving on. Um, I'm going to talk about the film Still Crazy. Oh, um, this is one I've always wanted to see. Yeah, which is actually a suggestion uh, which my dad made, um, uh, which I thought was a good shout because it's one that we hadn't thought of. No. We were putting our heads together, kind of uh, coming up with uh, these things. But I had heard of the group Strange I'm, Fruit. I was aware of the film, but I'd just never seen it. I was I was more aware of the band. I'd heard of the band Strange Fruit. So. Basically, Strange Fruit were a, a group in the 70s. They were big in the 70s. And then you kind of like the flash forward 20 years and they're all doing their mundane jobs or whatever. 
Um, and long story short, very sort of like typical, they decide to get the band back together. So you've got um, one of the ex-members, uh, played by Chris Rea, is um, he's got my favourite like rock star name. His name's Tony Costello, and I just think that's oh, like beautiful. a proper like, rock star. It's fucking brilliant, isn't it? And he's um, <clears throat> he's out somewhere like doing his job, um, and someone recognises him. Um, this younger guy and he's just like oh you're um, Tony Costello from Strange Fruit my dad used to be like a massive fan oh I run a music festival now I'd love to put Strange Fruit on the bill so then he's just like I've got to get the band back together so he gets in touch with um, Karen and I can't work out if Karen is like I don't think she was a groupie for the band she just seemed to like do everything for the band so she used to like basically look after them I think kind of manage them she used to like make sure their washing was done, make sure they were in the right place at the right time. She was also madly in love with the lead singer, but don't think she was a groupie, but uh, mm. I'm not quite sure. So the two of them decide to get together and try and get the band back together. So you see them like tracking down the other members, getting them back together. They can't find the old singer. They, it turns out that he, he appears to have died. Um, but anyway, they get the band back together. Billy Connolly turns up in mm. it. Um, it's like an ex-roadie. So you've got... Um, as well as Billy Connolly, you've got Bill Nye, Timothy Spall, Jimmy Nail, um, you know, all coming together to create this band. And then the other one, so they think that the old singer Brian is dead, but it turns out um, that he's not. Mm. Uh, Billy Connolly's character's just been sort of like protecting him. Um, I can't remember the actor's name who played him, but um, yeah, they all come back together. And then you have like this like montage of them like practicing, playing a few gigs. Um, they get a new singer because uh, they get a new guitarist rather because they think this ex-members died. Um, <clears throat> it's about it's about them coming together, sort of, I guess, making up for any past um, like grievances they've had, any falling outs that they've had, um, putting everything right um, between themselves, and then kind of going back to their lives. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it's very pleasant. I mean, I've put down here that it's um, that there's nothing new about the film, but it had very likable characters, and I found it very watchable. It also had a very young Zoe Ball interview interviewing the band at certain parts in the film. Beautiful. You know, when she had like short hair and was very tomboyish. Mm. Um, yeah, she crops up in it uh, quite a few times, which I thought was quite nice. Um, but yeah, I found it quite enjoyable, and I preferred it to some of the other more mentioned films that we get to later on in the show. Um, but yeah, that was that. I'd say certainly it's probably a 50p watching Kex if you see it, Terry. I'd yeah. say it's probably worth a look, yeah. Because of the, the, so I've always wanted to see the it. people in it. I think they're just, you know, it's got Bill Knight in it. I just mm. don't see that it's not watchable. It, the people in it do enough, know enough about the history of, of particularly British rock music mm. to to put in decent performances tied in with the fact that they're decent actors as well. Yeah, and it, they're just... Yeah, they're just... It's not, like, hilariously mm. funny. It's just amusing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, th I thought it was very pleasant and very watchable. Um, right, OK, so moving on. One that I know, um, I know that I've seen, Terry's seen it. I'm pretty sure Dan's seen it as well. Yes, you have, because I think we talked about it. Um, pop star, never stop, never oh, stopping. Yeah. Yes. Who wants to start? <laughs> Terry, did you like it? So, strangely, it's taken me about four attempts to watch it. Mm. 
uh, because I just kept falling asleep. Nothing, because it was one of those, because it was quite short, I kept popping it on on Netflix just when I was like late at night. I thought it was really, really good. It had some real lulls, but yeah. I did think it pushed some of it too, like not too far, but it, it hammered the jokes home a bit. Like mm. some of the songs were funny, but they just kept going. Mm. And it, like the Bin Laden song, it was like, okay, one chorus was fine. We didn't need like the full song <coughs> of that. But I thought, thought it was really good. <coughs> I think Adam Sandberg's like a very funny person. Obviously, pretty much it's just taking the piss out of Justin Bieber, which I can get behind. Mm. Um, but, you know, I enjoyed it. No, I didn't realise that it was potentially possibly a piss take of the Biebs. I think him and Timberlake as well, to a certain yeah, extent. Well, Timberlake's in it as well, he isn't he? He's in on the joke, isn't he, mm. as well? So. Yeah, I, li- I love. Again, it. I thought Timberlake was hilarious Yeah, in Yeah, I, the, I love him in those kind of roles. I, lo- I love that he, he knows that you... He can look back on himself and not take himself entirely mm. seriously, and at the same time, have forge a reasonably serious acting career as well as his music career as well. At the same time, I, I, I liked it. I think Adam Sandberg's really good with stuff. I kind of wish it was just a Lonely Island film, though. Yes, yeah, mm. okay. So I really like pop stars. Yeah, or pop star, um, and I'd put off watching it for ages because. I, d- I didn't know what it was. Mm. I'd seen the the cover for it and just I don't know. I just thought it was some. I thought it was like a pop star version of something like um, Step Up. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, and you've played me some of the Lowly Island yeah. songs before, which I didn't really like. Mm. I quite like Lowly. I wasn't Island, really yeah. into it, but then I was just I don't know. Is Lonely Island a show or is it just songs? They're they're a band. It's they're they're, they're all comedians, but they're it's, it's a rap group. Okay, but there's no TV show or anything no. that goes with it. Okay, so in that context, then, I don't find Lonely Island mm. songs funny. Yeah. Um, maybe I need the film to go with it because I thought Popstar was mm. was brilliant. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, like you say, some of the songs do go on a little mm. bit. Um, I loved the cameos in it. Uh, my favourite one was um, Mariah Carey um, yeah, talking about being humble because she says, oh, I'm also a very humble person, um, which was amazing. And... When I was watching it, I text Dan about the Equal Rights song. Yeah. I'm not gay, but if I was, I'd want Equal Rights. Yeah. I'm not gay. Yeah, um, Just every other yeah, line yeah, was, yeah. I'm not gay. I'm not gay. <laughs> I'm not gay. Because <laughs> um, then it's Ringo Starr, isn't yeah. it? He's written this song about Equal Rights like they can't get married. They can now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was really funny. Um, I thought Seal. Oh, oh my yeah. God, the with the wolves. Was hilarious, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, so good. Yeah. Um, I got these scars from wolves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really, I really, really thought that the cameos were like really mm. fantastic, um, and but quite a few of the cameos turn up in a film that we're going to talk about a bit later on as well, uh, which I felt I thought was quite uh, interesting. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was really decent. I definitely like recommend it. It's on Netflix. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, pop star never stop, never stopping. I just love that title. Yeah, Defo. that's the best. <laughs> Def, Defo, give that one a watch. Um, okay then, so. We're gonna we're gonna round up this episode, I think, with um, two versions of the same oh, film. Yeah. Um, one that we've uh, Terry and I have both seen recently. Um, A Star Is Born. Uh, we're going to be uh, looking at the Lady Gaga version and the Barbara Streisand version because I have not seen the Judy Garland version. I thought I had, um, but I haven't, and I didn't have time to watch it because it's just a tickle under three hours long. Oh, yeah. And. Um, yeah, I didn't have time for that because I wanted to watch the Lord of the Rings extended trilogy again before you popped around. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you've seen both. 
Yep. Have you seen either? <laughs> I've not seen either of them, no. Okay, let's Fucking just leave Dan hell. over there. Why do we invite him on this film podcast? Um, <laughs> that'll become apparent in the next episode. Terry, which one did you prefer? I don't think I preferred either one. There were segments of each that I preferred to the other. Okay. I prefer the songs in the new one. Mm-hmm. I think the songs in the original are pretty shit. It's not the original, but okay. But in the context of how okay. we're talking about them, sorry. But I think they do a better representation of the decline of him. Because obviously they haven't got the same names um, in the original. Mm. I feel like Chris Christopherson's character oh, is... Oh, his f- name is John. Yeah. Is far more destructive. I mean, there's a bit where he gets a motorbike on stage and crashes it off the stage. I know, what a burk, right? Yeah. That, that was clearly a health and safety hazard. Oh, I know. But yeah, I think they showed him as being more out there and downtrodden, whereas I didn't get that from Bradley Cooper because he was still like, gigging relatively well. Although he was out of his fucking face afterwards, he was still performing well, whereas mm. Chris Christopherson isn't performing well. He's probably... Uh, but then I also think the romance side is better in the newer one because I don't get the relationship in the... Okay, in so the I'm glad you said that because... they just sort of seem to get together for my, no real reason. My issue with the... Um, Chris Christopherson, Barbara Streisand one is I find their relationship so unbelievable yeah. because she looks like somebody's auntie working at your office. Yeah, she does and, not look hot at all. I mean, it's not about, like, I'm not saying that all relationships are built on how someone looks, but she looks like that on stage. She's going on stage wearing a shit trouser suit from Next. And um, a very tight perm. And singing songs which don't marry up with his songs. And I'm not saying they have to as well, but in in the newer version of the film, I believed that he was watching a performer that he liked and respected, but could also see himself performing with. Whereas I yeah. found that in the the 70s version of um, A Star Is Born, it's like she's doing Barbara. Mm. And he's doing the country stuff. He's doing the like the the men in the film are are the same character. I feel, but she's doing a a, an act that's so you know he gets her up on stage and she's so she performs one of her songs or a song for his crowd and they're Mm. lapping it up and I can't believe that because it's so different. I'm just like, no, he's got like a he's got like a crowd of rock loving fans and she's singing a song for their mum. You know, yeah. you know, it wasn't Basically. originally meant to be Chris Christopherson, right? It was meant to be James Taylor, wasn't it? Was it meant to be Elvis Presley. Oh. Um, but from what I understand, this was like Streisand wanted this film. Like she built yeah. it around her, so that's probably... She, she well, built I, it around I, her. I get that. And mm. as far as, I, as I'm concerned, she's, she's doing Barbara, and I mm. fucking mm. love Barbara Streisand, and she can sing anyone off of a stage. Um, but I just couldn't find her character's appeal believable because I didn't find she was appealing at all. No. The songs were dreadful as well. I wouldn't say they were dreadful. They were just not the right songs. No. Not the, for the for the crowd that she was playing them for. Mm. I didn't think. But I, I don't know. So I was... I've, I, I'd been looking forward to watching that so much and I was so disappointed. Like, yeah. I didn't dislike mm. it. I like it, but... Would I play the songs in the car? No. No, no I wouldn't. No. And I'm already playing the new Star is Born in the car, so we know the I answer I think to overall that one. I'd say the newer one is better. I much prefer the newer one. But I'd say I preferred 
Not necessarily that Bradley Cooper is a bad portrayal, but just I think they showed the self-destructive nature a lot better in the original. Yeah. Dan, have you got anything you want to add? No. Besides your Elvis fact? No, that's that. that that's all Mark Hermo has talked about is the Elvis Presley thing recently. Like I, I now listen to two different podcasts with him on. He's mentioned it twice. He ranks all four of them on, on the Kermode Film Podcast mm. that I listened to. What, what, what order did he put them in? Uh, number four was the second one. Judy. Judy. No, that's Judy Gollum's. No, no, number four was the 1930s one. Mm. And then number three was Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand one. Number two was the most recent one. And yeah. number one was the Judy Garland I know one. he really loves the D- yeah. Judy Garland one. So I really wanted to watch it, but it was just so long. Mm. Um, and I just didn't have a three hour window in any of my days. The, to the, watch best, it. the best part of it is, though, he goes, That's the right order, isn't it, dear? You, you're here, aren't you? And he goes, Yes. And his wife's in the audience and is obviously just pleasing her. But yes. I really want to go to one of his shows now. I didn't realise he did them. But yeah. Once a I month. Didn't. Once a month, the BFI apparently does a show. So oh, I didn't know that. See that. And he brings up uh, movie directors and stuff. So. We should totally go to that then. Yeah, I'm up for Admin. Yeah. Can I uh, get my train fare on expenses? Yeah, sure. Why not? Well, we'll take the Lambo, shall we? Oh, yeah. You yeah, can yeah. drive again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Take the throne off from Ewan, but yeah. No, yeah, we keep that on at all times. Just in case. He might want to come. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. doesn't. Cool. Okay, so we're going to wrap up episode one with The Star is Born. Um, to summarise, Terry and I like the Lady Gaga version. We don't like the Barbara version as much. Um, but I still love Barbara. Um, social media stuff, Terry? Do you want to do that? Uh, yeah, so we are Theatrical Cut Pod on Instagram. I'm Prefax on Instagram. And Sonia is Mallory underscore watch on Instagram. I've pretty much stopped using Twitter as well, so we'll just fuck the Twitter off. Uh the mother pod. <coughs> Dan's here. Why don't we let Dan do his own? I was going to give it a crack and if get you, it wrong If again. you want to go for no, it, No, go yeah. on, Dan. Fire away, son. 2MTOOH. Uh, that's the number 2MTOOH on Twitter. Instagram is TMTOOH. I'm glad I waited. And Facebook.com is, is Facebook.com forward slash TMTOOH. This week, because we fucked up last week's pod, uh, we're doing the news. So, what did you do? Did you delete it by mistake? No, I. It's it's really silly. I uh, closed my laptop as it was um, extracting the file, and then I got in. I I, I uploaded the file. Is this interesting? Nah, we, it's pretty. Yeah, dark. should we stop it's talking all about it? Technical bollocks. Yeah. yeah, let's just leave that one there. So Dan's going to be doing news on his uh, next podcast. Yeah, we will talk about. Uh, 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 Henry Cavill's hair, mostly, I think. Well, it's not Henry Cavill's hair, is yeah. it? It's his character's His character's hair. Yeah, Geralt. Huh? The He's got a lovely long white wig. Yeah. Oh. Proper, like, yeah. long. How long he, is it, Terry? To the boob. Nipple length, yeah. eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to the nips. I He's... imagine his boobs are a lot higher than mine as well, so definitely to the nip on him. Yeah. He... Dan, of the films that we've talked about, do you have any favourites that, favourites that we've mentioned? Uh, the ones you've mentioned, Inside Lewin Davis. Okay. That's uh, in my top five Coen Brothers films. So, What are your top five Coen Brothers films? Inside Lewin Davis, Big Lebowski, uh, No Country for Old Men. Um, nah, I'm on the spot now. I really like Intolerable Cruelty, but it might not go in my top five. Oh, hell, Caesar, actually. We asked for your top five, not the fucking ramblings <laughs> of a madman. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I wish I'd bothered now. The way you said it, he said it with such authority, didn't he? Big Lebowski, uh, uh, 
uh, add in Fargo probably and um, Hail Caesar, but I'll regret it. But no one really cares about my top five anyway, so it doesn't matter. Okay, and that's Dan's top five, which we'll probably uh, delete out the episode anyway. Um, Probably. Thanks for listening, and we'll uh, see you next week. Mike, drop. Drop.